0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. I feel like we need a minute to sila. Do you know what a sila is? It's a phrase that exists in the Bible, in the book of Psalms. After certain things would be sung or prayed, there's this little word that's inserted, sila. And it means to stop, to think upon what you've just said or read, Uh, Usually it was done with musical accompaniment, to think on it, to meditate on it. Let's just take a minute right now and maybe, and I didn't do this in the first service, let's ask God where he would like to adjust us in our response to what's going on in our country right now and what we can do. Amen? Let's let's just do that. Father, help us. We want to be your people. We want to respond like you would, Jesus. Please help us. Speak to us right now, each of us in this room. What would you have us do? How would you have us respond? Help us not react, but help us to respond to your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, I'm going to get into my message now. So, if you're taking notes and you want to know where I'm going to be in the Bible, I'm going to be in the New Testament book of Galatians. I'm going to be in the third chapter, and we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 14 in Galatians chapter 3. We're doing a series called Good News of Grace. Woo! And today's, yeah, thank you. Today's message is We are freed from the curse and blessed. We are freed from the curse and blessed. Did you hear about the doctor who was speaking with his patient on the phone? The doctor said, you know, I have some bad news and some very bad news. The patient said, well, you might as well give me the bad news first. The doctor said, the lab called with your test results, and they said that you have 24 hours to live. The patient, doctor, 24 hours? That's terrible. What could be worse? What's the very bad news? Doctor, I've been trying to reach you since yesterday. Sometimes, life is that way, right? That's 2020, right? Just as you think, whoa, that's bad enough, something else comes along and it's even worse. And in times like that, it's so important that we're right with God and that we maintain our faith, right? You don't really know you have faith until it's tested. Have you ever noticed that in your own life? It's easy to have faith when it seems like every prayer is answered before you ask, Like God provides every need abundantly and you're blown away. When every time you turn around and pray for a family member, God moves in their life, or you pray for a work related issue and it's resolved. And you know, you go through seasons in your life. I remember as a new Christian, as a new follower of Jesus, it seemed like, you know, it's like God was a genie almost. Any of you remember that sense? It's like, you know, you just kind of throw a prayer up there to him and he would do it. It seemed like everywhere you looked, he was on the move in your life. And then you go through seasons where all of a sudden you have to wait. It requires patience and difficulty. And then you get tested and proven. And tragedy comes and you experience death or you experience a loss or relationships are broken or you lose a job or whatever it may be. Trials, tests come along, and your faith is tried in a fire, and it's tested and proven. And you get to find out if it's gold. Or if it's a bunch of dross, a bunch of waste, if it's been fool's gold. And we're in a time like that. And I know, I'm looking around, I know believers right now that are struggling with whether or not they even believe in God anymore. They're struggling if they even believe this Christianity thing, this Jesus thing. They're going through a deconstruction. They feel like their entire faith is being torn down block by block by block. That's exactly the kind of time we live in. We live in a time where your faith, my faith, is going to be tested. But today we're going to learn about how faith frees us from the curse of sin and death. How faith is a gift from God that brings us into relationship with Him and gives Him great pleasure and joy. You know, when we demonstrate trust, when we demonstrate faith in God, when we demonstrate faith in what He says to us in the Scripture, what He does for us, when we demonstrate that we trust Him regardless of our circumstances, When that happens, God has great pleasure and joy in our faith in him. Great pleasure and joy. We're going to learn today that faith releases the blessings of the Holy Spirit and God's life upon us. That faith makes it possible to live as God designed us to live. So you might remember last week I shared with you that the real children of Abraham, this is what we learned from Galatians 3, 6 through 9, the real children of Abraham are those who put their faith in Jesus and that Abraham was our example And that now non-Jewish people can be a part of the covenant people of God, the family of God, by putting faith in Jesus. In the Old Testament, Jews were the people of God, right? And in order for you to be able to become a follower of God, you had to join yourself to the nation of Israel. Now we know that simple faith in Jesus and, and, and trusting Him and not having to rely upon the Old Testament law, the ritual systems, coming through all those Old Testament processes, none of them are necessary to make us right with God and put us close. Close to him and an intimate fellowship with him. We learned that last week, and this week we're going to learn that faith in Jesus frees us from the curse and blesses us. So let's look at Galatians 3:10 through 14. It'll be on the screen, and uh, read along with me if you would. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under His curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commandments that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. Did you see that? So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of law. Which says, it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles. Those are all of us. With the same blessing, he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. So what's Paul telling us? What's he saying to us? The first thing he's telling us is that if you depend on law-keeping, rule-keeping, if you depend on your own good behavior, you're going to bring a curse on your life. You're curse. That's what the text says. If you're depending on your ability to be good, your ability to be good enough, behave follow the rules, be a good person to make you acceptable to God, you put yourself under a curse. Those who try to be right with God by keeping the law are destined to fail and bring the consequences of breaking the commandments upon themselves. That is a cursed existence. Listen to what the Spirit-Filled Life Bible says under this text. It says, however, rather than making us right with God, the law curses us. Wow. Because it makes demands that no one can keep. Obedience must not only be absolute in every detail, but it must be continuous. Through his death on the the cross, Christ did for us what we could not do for ourselves. His work, not ours, removed the curse upon us because of our disobedience to the law. Now think about this. If you're depending... If you or I are depending on our own righteousness, our own goodness, our own ability to keep the rules, we curse ourselves. And, and why this is so important is because human beings, in general, like to grade on a curve. I've shared this with you many times, but we do our scale, right? We've got our scale. Over here on this side of the scale, we have Charles Manson and Adolf Hitler. Over here, we've got Mother Teresa and Jesus. Right? And what we think is that the way God looks at the world is as long as we're on the good people side, as long as we're sliding a little bit this way, we're in. Right, But the reality is, is that God expects complete and total perfect obedience all the time for every commandment and every law that He's called us to keep. The Scripture requires perfection. And actually, this is what the scripture teaches. If you offend any, in, in any of the commandments, if you disobey even one of the commandments, you are guilty of all of them. And, and here's the thing. We might make it for a day, at least outwardly, but tomorrow you blow it. Let's say you made it for a week and you walked in perfection. Eventually, you're going to trip and fall on your face. And then God's going to look at all that weak of good behavior and all your attempts to be right with him by being a good little boy or girl, and he's going to count it all as nothing. Because man-made, dead religion is the religion of self-effort to make ourselves right with God. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is God acting on our behalf, moving toward us because we were unable Under a curse, we were experiencing the consequences of breaking the commandments of God, and our life was cursed. So that's what makes the gospel so amazing and revolutionary. God acted on our behalf. Am I talking to anybody? Listen to the Heidelberg Catechism, um, late... I keep trying to remember the years that the Heidelberg Catechism came out, but it's a it's like a confessional and it was a training methodology for teaching people about the gospel. Listen to what it says. It says, How are you right with God? Without my deserving it at all, out of sheer grace, God grants and credits to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ, as if I had never sinned, nor been a sinner. As if I had been as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for me. All I need to do is accept this gift of God with a believing heart. So think about this. We have an account, and that account should be full of righteousness. Instead, it's been emptied by our sins. We've now gone into a deep debt. Our accounts in the red, billions and trillions of dollars. Our sin debt to God is unpayable. We have no way, even if we lived a thousand lifetimes, of living well enough and doing enough good works to make ourselves okay with God. So what God did is He looked at the human dilemma and He said, this is what I'm going to do on behalf of them. I'm going to become one of them. Wow. I'm going to live perfectly, keep all the law and all the commandments and be completely righteous for them. Then I'm going to be crucified by them because they hate the light and the light came into the world and they hated it, so they're going to crucify me. And as they crucify me, they're going to hang on me, their own sin debt. And as I'm buried in the grave, I'm going to go there and I'm going to die their death for them, their judgment for them. I'm going to take their hell for them. And then I'm going to rise from the dead. And in rising from the dead, they're going to rise with me. And in the same way I come forth in newness of life, they're going to come forth in newness of life. And now I'm going to take their account and I'm going to put all my righteousness, all my holiness, all my goodness, all my purity in their account so that when my father looks upon my brothers and sisters, the sons and daughters of God, he sees an account full of the perfect infinite grace of God, he sees us in Christ completely whole and free and holy and clean and righteous and there's nothing we can ever do from this point forward to change that. You don't believe me. Why are you looking at me like that? Think about it. See, he rescued us from the law curse By dying on the cross. He rescued us through his death. Verse 13 says, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. And Jesus was hung on a tree. When Jesus died on the Roman cross, he took our curse and punishment upon himself. And all we have to do is trust him to take care of the sin and the wrongdoing issue in our life. And so the question is, who are you trusting to make you okay with God? Are you trusting in yourself? Now, a lot of us would say, no, I trusted Christ 25 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago. I trusted Christ and I came to him then. But here's the problem we have, and Paul shows us this in the book of Galatians. We slide out of that. We start by trusting in grace. We start by trusting in what Christ has done. And then after a period of time, we begin to trust in ourselves again. We start to count on us. We start to think it's up to us. Well, I received grace and and I and I, I'm in the kingdom, but I know you know it's up to me now. I got to be good, and we without realizing it. And you know how you know it's true is when you sin, because if when you sin, your immediate response is not. Lord, I'm I'm heartbroken about this. I'm sorry I've I've done it, but I thank you, Jesus. That's why you died. And the cross is enough for me. And so I receive your cleansing blood. I receive your forgiveness. And I thank you that I'm right with you. Now empower me to overcome that area of sin. Give me grace to do it. But Lord, I thank you that I don't have to do anything to add to what you've done. But instead, what do many of us do? We blow it, we start to feel bad. We go before God, I'm a scumbag, I'm a low down, no good scody-dote as my dad used to always say, I'm not worth anything, I'm a worm, I know that you must be disappointed in me, you must be angry, let me see. And without realizing it, we begin to engage in trying to do things for a long enough period of time to make God okay with us. So we start to try to pay for our own sin. Do you know how offensive to the cross that is? We start trying to pay for our own sin. We feel like, if, I'm, if I feel bad for a week, and I really beat myself up, and I tell God over and over what a terrible person I am, and I walk around downcast, and I get angry, and, and, and here's my experience. When you get into that place of condemnation, what happens? You actually are more, more vulnerable to more sin. You ever notice when you feel condemned and beat down? An attitude almost comes upon you that says, ah, the heck with it. I can't beat this thing anyway. I might as well just do the thing. I might as well go there. But when we recognize right away, this is what Jesus died for. His cross was adequate for my sin. Even this thing I'm struggling with over and over, his cross was good enough. And the best thing I can do right now is get up, turn to Jesus, and trust that his death was enough for me. And that's all I can trust in. I can't trust in my ability to somehow make myself good enough for God to love me and accept me. Am I talking to anybody? And that takes me to the last point here, and that is that faith in Jesus makes us right with God and blessed with Abraham's blessing of the Holy Spirit. And here's here's where we begin to address the issue that I know some of you are probably struggling with in this series, and that is the issue of, yeah, but what about our obedience? What about our holiness? What about doing the right thing? Are you saying we don't have to be good? We don't have to do the right thing? Well, let's look at the text here. He says, through Christ, through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. You see, faith in God now opens a door for God's very Spirit. You notice the Spirit is called the Holy Spirit. He's holy. And that very Spirit now comes to indwell our lives. And that very Spirit begins to change our inner desires, our inner affections. Begins to overcome our cravings, our selfishness, and our sinfulness. That Holy Spirit inside us begins to put a yearning in us to love God, to love our neighbor. When we fail to turn right to Christ, turn right to the cross, not run from Him and hide among the trees of the garden and sow on our own fig leaves, but rather to run to Christ and receive the covering of the Lamb of God. Trust in Him. Him and faith in Him opens our life up to receive his empowerment, his ability to live the way he created us to live. Because we can never live the way that we desire to live and God desires us to live in human effort. If we could, Jesus had no reason to come. Do we understand if we trust in human religion and our own abilities and our own strength to be good people, if we trust in that, not only is that an affront to the cross of Christ, but it makes the cross of Christ of no purpose. Jesus had no reason to come and 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 him coming and dying on the cross and rising again is a meaningless event. But if we understand that he came to make us right with God and fill us with his very spirit, that we might live as he lived. Oh, I love what Charles Spurgeon said, and I've shared this with you before. God is wants to put in us the faith, not only to believe that we can go to heaven when we die, but the faith to believe that God can put a little bit of heaven into us. And that's what he does in the New Covenant. That's what the New Testament is. That's what the gospel, the good news is. The gospel is that Jesus Christ did it for us so that we might receive the very spirit of Christ to live as he created us to live. Amen, that's good news. I don't know about you, that is good news. Faith gives us the power to live like God designed us. Faith empowers us to be moral and godly. Laws and rules can't do that. Some of you in this room were probably raised in a religious background where your whole life it just felt like no matter what you did, the church you went to and what you were taught and what you believed, it just, it's like you could never be good enough. But you learned to play the game. You learned to put on the outside game. You learned to do the religious thing. You learned to do the hallelujah, praise God, brother, praise the Lord. Oh, God's good all the time. All that Christianese, I don't want to say it, bad stuff, <laughs> garbage, all that baloney That's what it was, man. It's just a bunch of outward religion. It's what Jesus came and addressed. He said, you're whitewashed tombs, but the inside of you is full of dead man's bones. He came to cut that sin issue off at the root, not just dress up the outside. He hates man-made religion. You look at the people Jesus was mad at when he was on planet Earth. It wasn't the adulteress. It wasn't the sinners. It wasn't the people caught right in the muck of their stuff. They knew how dirty they were. They knew, knew how much they needed help. It was the religious people who walked around thinking they were superior to the broken people, thinking that they had it all together, and they didn't need a physician. And he said that to him over and over again. He's like, you think you don't have need of a physician, but really you're dying. But the ones who have need of a physician and know it, they're, they're the ones that will be healed. And that's the way it is in our lives, people of God. That we would trust in Jesus alone and his good news and his gospel and the cross would be adequate and the empty tomb would be enough and we'd realize that he gives us power to live the way that we've been created to live and we will never again lean on the arm of the flesh and trust our own ability to be good little people. That is bondage. That's a cursed life. You can never do it, and you will live under constant condemnation, guilt, and shame because you'll always feel like you're a failure Christian. But if you get liberated into the good news of the gospel, you know, I'm loved, I'm loved, I'm beloved, I'm, f- I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I'm in. I don't have to be afraid of being out. I'm with him because I'm his, his seed is in me, and I'm a part of his kingdom forever, and he's going to give me the power to get from A to Z, and I'm going to be able to live in him because he lives in me. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Woo, I got excited.